0: Welcome to Heart of the Matter. I'm Sean McCraney, your host. This is a live call-in show. We'll give you the number to call. If you want to make a comment, ask a question, whatever, we'll do that in in a minute. Let's begin tonight's important program with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you. We're so grateful for life, and we're grateful to be here. We pray that you will send your spirit into the homes of the viewers. Send your spirit here with us at the station, and let us communicate in things that you want us to say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. I think that tonight, perhaps the most important show uh, we could ever do is going to happen now. And until we return to this subject, I don't think we're going to do a more important show in the future. Um, I really hope that if you're not a believer, meaning that you have not been born again through faith in Jesus Christ that you will just put everything aside right now, forget your feelings or judgments about me, forget what religion you were brought up in, and just kind of sit back and, and listen. Please, just sit back and listen and pray, ask the Lord to guide you as to whether what I'm saying is true or not. Um... There seems to be three general conditions people will be in when they go before the Lord after this life. First, there will be those who are rebellious and proud and who reject Him. Next, there will be those who will be absolutely terrified. And then there will be those who are filled with peace and warmth and joy. Now ask yourself, what condition will I be in when I go and stand before God after this life? In that day or at that time, I promise you that the church you attended isn't going to matter. Um, Your earthly success and accomplishments are not going to matter. Your family name, your wealth, your fame, these things are not going to matter. It's not going to matter if you graduated from high school or college. It isn't going to matter if you've ever smoked a cigarette or not. All these things that we seem to think will matter when we go before God to be accepted or rejected by Him are not going to be in the mix. But one thing I can assure you is you are either going to reject Him, or you're going to be terrified, or you are going to run into His arms like a child to this Father. I'd like for you to imagine for a moment that you are going to die tonight. In the next couple hours after the show, hopefully, and hopefully not, you will just pass away and you're going to go to meet your maker. What do you expect to see? What Christians and Latter-day Saints expect to see are two very different things. Compared to Christianity, Latter-day Saints have some very unique and different theologies when it comes to what they'll see when they die. When it comes to God, Mormons believe that God refers to their father, their literal father in heaven. Mormons view God as being their father even before they were born. They believe that he has a body of flesh and bone, as tangible as man's, but perfected. Mormons believe in an eternal regression of God's. What that means is that God the Father, who they believe in now, had a father who had a father who had a father. That's called an eternal regression of gods. Mormons believe that God has a wife, or wives depending on what you or who you are reading. Mormons don't believe that God can create matter out of nothing, and they don't believe that God can destroy matter to nothing. Mormons, as I said, believe that God was once a man. Latter-day Saints also believe, and this is probably one of the most troubling things when it comes to their existence here on earth and their theology and how it applies to them, that Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother in the pre-existence created them spiritually as their spirit children. And by the, by the way, this is in conflict with 1 Corinthians 15.46 It says, how be it that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. Latter-day Saints teach that everything was first spiritual and then became natural. Corinthians, uh, if you want the reference, 1546 teaches something very different. As God's spirit children, Latter-day Saints believe they have a right to Him and His throne. That all men are good and holy and pure as his children. No intercession is needed between an infant and God, between a child under eight and God, between any person and God unless they have sinned. Latter day Saints sing a song I am a child of God, and he has sent me here, has given me an earthly home with parents kind and dear. Lead me, guide me, walk beside me, help me find the way. Listen to this line. Teach me all that I must do to live with him someday. That's an LDS song that kind of encapsulates the relationship Latter-day Saints think they just automatically have with God. Mormons speak of Heavenly Father as if they were speaking of a kindly, old, wise grandfather just waiting for them to call. Mormons teach that he is God who is so loving He would never send any of his children or very few of them to a place called hell, but would instead put them in one of three kingdoms where they would love to go, according to Joseph Smith. They believe that God is limited by a corporal body. That means that God is not omnipresent to Mormons. He can't be. He has a body. They say he's omnipresent through his Holy Spirit. I've never understood the concept of a God uh, since becoming a Christian with a body. When someone dies and goes to be with God as a spirit, and Jesus talks about God being a spirit, I've never understood the need for God to have lungs or for God to have toenails. What good, are, what good is a stomach? What good are our lungs going to do for God in, in the, in where he is? Um, they believe that God is limited in his ability. If God can't create something out of nothing or God can't destroy matter, then he's limited in his ability, therefore he's not omnipotent either. This is the LDS version of God. In the end, the LDS concept of God is that he really is a very, very, very successful and progressive man. Grandfather. Great-grandfather. Tragically, Latter-day Saints believe that they have the right, the right to this God that Christians think of. They have the right to him. I firmly believe that most Latter-day Saints who embrace this theology are going to be terrified when they stand before the true and living God. That that will be your state if you believe he is this God that you have been taught. When we read the Bible exegetically, that means not reading into it, but reading out of it, and contextually, that means within the confines of the book that it's in, and the Bible as a whole, and with spiritually regenerated eyes, that's very important, we see a very different God described. One way that helps me understand God is by looking at His creations, great and small. Let's talk about space, for example, to get you started on how to think of God in maybe a different way. It is believed that our universe expands out by a million miles per second as we sit here speaking. Our universe is expanding outward. That each galaxy contains millions of stars. And that the universe contains over a 100 million galaxies. Do you see the the scope we're looking at with this? Now, the closest star to us is called Alpha Centauri, and it's visible to our naked eye when we stand out there. Now, let me give you some some dimensions here to understand the God I worship. We can't use regular measurements when we're going to understand who God is, um, the stars, and how to get to him. So what we use is we use light years. All right, And we talk about the speed of light traveling to these places and the speed of light. Now, the speed of light travels at 300,000 kilometers per second. What that is is seven times around the Earth in one second is the speed of light. That's how fast the speed of light is. Okay, If we were going to travel out to the first star closest to us in our galaxy, we would pass the moon at the speed of light in a second and a half. We would pass the sun at eight minutes, 30 seconds, traveling at the speed of light. And we would get to that first star of hundreds of millions of stars that we can see with our naked eye in four and a half light years. That is how close the nearest star is, Alpha Centauri. Now, if we went to the most distant star, which is uh, in the Andromeda galaxy, we would go 1.5 million light years before we would reach it. And this is just a drop in the button, bu- bucket. And this God who created this, who manages this, is a man who has a corporal body and he can't do certain things. Did you know that the sun is so large that you could fill a million earths in its, in its sphere if you could do it? A million. But the sun, by comparison, is a really, really small star. There are stars out there in these galaxies and universe that can hold 500 million suns. There's a planet called, there's a star called Betelgeuse. And it's out there in Orion's belt. 562 million light years away. 562 light years away. And it is so big that if you could hollow Betelgeist out, you could put our sun in the center of it and our earth could rotate around with like several hundred thousand miles to go just to reach the crust of this single star. It spins at 2,000 miles per second. What got that going? What keeps it in orbit? What created this monster, this man-god, this corporal body-god who can't create something out of nothing? Let's take it down. Do you know that we are traveling 67,000 miles an hour through space? Our orbit around the sun, 67,000 miles per hour. When I think about the immensity of space and then I think back down to a single ant, that is one of the most amazing creations. They don't even think they sleep. They can lift like 100 times their body weight And the ant, its structure, its magnificence, its abilities. Think about the cellular structure of an ant and the whole industry that lives in a single cell of an ant. And then look at the atomic structure of an ant. From the most immense to the smallest, man has not created anything, nor will he create anything like that. This is a God we are talking about. Now, what does the Bible say about our Christian God? It says that he is a spirit. This is in conflict with LDS teaching. John 4, 24, this is Jesus speaking. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Joseph said in one of his many conflicting recitations of the first vision that he saw that God had a body of flesh and bone. Who are you going to believe, Jesus Christ or Joseph? Because they can't go together. The Word says that God is a consuming fire. Deuteronomy 4.24 For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. Hebrews in the New Testament 12.28 For our God is a consuming fire. You think you're going to run up to happy Papa that you don't know through his son through rebirth? This consuming fire. The Word says that God is not a man. Numbers 23, 19, it says this "Say, God is not a man. Now Joseph said God was once a man and has a man's body. And the word says God is everything but a man. What are you going to believe? Come on, my brothers and sisters, think about this stuff. Look beyond the local ward and the family unit and the happy, happy little messages that come out and look at the universe. Look at the things created around you and ask yourself, What really created this? The Word says that God can do anything. Matthew 19.26, Jesus said, With God all things are possible. All things are possible. Last week, we had a very kind man named Merrill call, and he explained very well what the LDS views are. He said that God cannot create something out of nothing. God cannot destroy matter. Can you believe this arrogance from one guy? I'm not saying, Merrill, you're arrogant. You're just repeating the, but one guy tells us this stuff, and you guys are all buying it. It's amazing. And it was one of the things that helped me understand Mormonism wasn't right when I realized that I was viewing God like kind of like my buddy or something, like my great-grandfather, that, hey, you know, everything was okay. He's not. He's a consuming fire. The Word says he's the first, the last, the beginning, the end, the creator of all things. All things. What are you going to believe? That he's limited or that he is everything? Do you realize the absolute and utter decimation that people are going to have when they take their last breath and they realize what God is? When they see his power, when they see the light, if they see it at all, that's, all, that's in question too, but I'm not going to go into that. But if you see that and you know what he is, do you realize the decimation your heart's going to experience? The Bible says God is terrible and terrifying. Look at the, listen to the prophet Isaiah. He's standing at the altar and he looks into the Holy of Holies. This is what he says. This is the prophet Isaiah. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord, all cap letters of hosts. Hebrews 10:31 says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Fearful, terrifying thing to fall into the hands of this living God. Mormonism in absolute opposition to this biblical stance makes it sound as if God is just an all good, all loving parent working with each of his children down here to be the best that they can be. And then they die and get a special kingdom just for them. It doesn't sound congruent with Hebrews 10, does it? The scriptures say no man has ever seen God. 1 John 4 12, no one has seen God at any time. I know we're going to get calls on this. I look forward to them. If we love one another, God dwells in us, and his love is perfected in us. Joseph said he saw God plain as day. What are you going to believe? Finally, and perhaps most importantly, the Bible says you are not. You are not a child of God until you have been born again. Listen to these verses quickly. John 1, 2. But as many as received him, meaning Jesus, he gave them authority to become the children of God. To those who believed on his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but were born of God. Romans 8, 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption. You're adopted. How are you adopted? By your faith. It says, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. When you're adopted because you believe in Christ, you can then call him Father. He then becomes Abba, Father to you. He then becomes the loving parent who is love and who is there. But he is not until that point. You are a creature. You are not a child until you've been born again. Galatians 3.25, speaking to believers, for you are all children of God by faith in Christ. You are not born that way. Galatians 4.5, last one, to redeem them who were born under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying, Abba, Father, but you must first be adopted. Latter day Saints, you are not automatically God's child. That is a fallacy, that is a lie, and it is in conflict with the Bible. You must be born again. There is no other way. Now, how do I preach this so strongly that God is this consuming fire? He's terrible and horrible besides the, the word saying that. That he's not going to put up with one least bit of trickery and that you are going to be, fall under his wrath if you don't know his son. I'm going to give you a couple uh, short stories and then we're going to finish and open up the phone lines. So Please turn your television sets down when you get through or before so that we don't hear it when you're uh, on the air. There was a guy named Uzzah. I think that was his name. He's walking along in the Old Testament and they're carrying, these oxen are carrying on this cart the Ark of the Covenant. And no one was supposed to touch the Ark of the Covenant. Well, the oxen stumble in 2 Samuel, it talks about this. And the Ark of the Covenant starts to fall. Uzzah reaches up to stop it. What did God do to him? He killed him. This is the Old Testament God. Well, let's talk about the New Testament God. When Jesus was going to the Garden of Gethsemane with his apostles, he asked for them to pray with him that he was in dire need. Jesus knew what he was about to face. He was going to the cross. He was going to suffer for the sins of the world. And he says to the father, Father, if we can, is there anything we can do to let this cup pass? What did the loving father say to his son, his only son? He said no. Jesus could have thought, you know, can we sacrifice a million sheep? Can we destroy a galaxy in my name to cover this? His father said no. And guess what? His own son went to a cross. And on his way, he was beaten. And with his stripes, we are healed. Who killed Jesus? Who poured his wrath out upon him? It was not the Romans, it was not the Jews. It was the father poured his wrath, his justice out upon his son for you and I. He did this, his wrath. And what we have to do is believe his son and have faith in him. And we become a child of this father. But if we don't, I promise you, that God of wrath, if he will pour that out on his son, he is not going to even blink and pouring it out on you if you reject Him and don't know Him by rebirth. Jesus said you must be born again. There are going to be people who are going to hell because they rebel against God and they're proud and they don't even care. There are going to be people who know God through spiritual rebirth of their son and faith and they're going to run to Him like Father, Abba, Papa. But there are people who are going to be terrified when they meet the true and living God, the consuming fire, the terrible God, because they did not understand nor embrace his son. All right, let's go to the phone lines, Johnny and Orem, line two. Johnny, you're on Heart of the Matter.
1: Yeah, um uh, I just have a quick question about last week. Somebody called in, and uh, they had mentioned they'd looked something up in Strong's Concordance. Yeah. And you made a comment that you didn't think that was a very good concordance. So my question is, what is? what would you recommend then?
0: I think Thayer's is really good for the Greek and uh, for the Hebrew uh, concordance. You're talking about a lexicon or concordance?
1: Concordance.
0: Yeah. Uh, Thayer's is good for the Greek and for the Hebrew, it's a long name. It sounds like a law firm. I think Biddle is in the title. I'd have to look. But you know what? Email me and I'll email that back to you. Okay, sounds great. Okay, guys, thanks for calling. Yeah, takes a lot. Okay. All right, praise God. Bye-bye. Joanne in West Valley. Joanne, you are on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean, it's
1: me, Joanne. How are you? I'm okay. Sean, I want to know, how do you absolutely know without a doubt that you are
0: saved? Well, you know that by the spirit, and it, it's. It, I used to wonder that. And uh, when I would offer the sinner's prayer before I was saved, and I would always question, well, am I or am I not or am I? And uh, one is by the Holy Spirit will confirm to your heart. And you know what? For me, it was interesting, Joanne, because I realized that the promises helped me understand that I was saved. If you read in the Bible that if you have faith, you are saved, and if you read the, what all the scriptures say in the New Testament about being saved, and you, you read those that your, your salvation is there by, by believing and confessing with your mouth the name of Jesus, then I would be doing God a disservice to not believe that I'm, that I'm saved, to say, ah, maybe I'm not. So if I'm really going to be faithful, I am going to believe that I am saved because I did what he said. I confessed his name, and I, and I, and I uh, repented afterward, and I was born again. Um, so to me... And then once I did that, the assurance came. So it seems like God sometimes does that. He, he, he puts it out there for you, and then you do it, and you believe it, and then he gives you that assurity that, yeah, you're right. So that's kind of how it happens. I can tell you this, it, it, um, it does happen, and you will know. Um, well, see, my problem,
2: I've been raised around the Mormon doctrine all my life, and with that comes so much guilt and you, like me, I believe in God and Jesus
0: Christ with all my heart, but I still have that guilt about wondering, am I saved? Well, Joanne, the, what the scriptures also say in Ephesians five is that you're going to start bearing fruit, and and as you do that, you'll kind of say, wow, I'm 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 doing things that I don't normally do. I, I'm trying to explain it the best I can, but you're going to start to fall in line with His will, and when you sin, you're going to be quick to repent. And you're going to have a number of things that occur in your life that are going to verify that you have. Now, Latter-day Saints, and you may not have come to this point yet, they're constantly trying to um, kind of intellectually figure out out if they're saved or not. It really isn't in your power. It really is the Lord who's going to give that to you that you are. Have you been born again, Joanne? I believe I have. (laughs) That's a good answer considering your question. Listen, I tell you if If you just really trust that Jesus has saved you and have faith in that and and just ask him to take over your entire life and will in time he will continue to reveal himself to you and you will know that he he has done the work knowledge of the of the New Testament really helps, and so if you're not reading that 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 might uh hinder some of your thoughts Well, I read the Bible all the time do you yeah. Well,
1: well uh, last week you spoke about Paul, so that's what I've been, re- I've been trying to read
0: his stuff. Yeah, we'll keep doing that, and you know, and for some, you know, faith is a gift, and not everyone has all the gifts. It may just be uh, in your life you might not have the strong metaphysical type experience where uh, you just can say you know. Now I know that's I know that's gonna really disturb disturb some people. They're just disturbing people on the set? But um, I don't know the answer. I've met a lot of people who uh, tend to be Christian and uh, believe it, and they still are unsure. And all I can do is just testify to you that his promises are sure, that his promises are real, and that if you've accepted him, you are saved. The word, I'm getting shown that the word is the thing to turn to, and and I mentioned that. Keep studying the word, and it will open up to you that the assurance that you have. Okay, well, I'm still waiting for you to recommend a church here in West gonna We're going to get to it. Okay, thank you, God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Lauren in Midvale, a first-time caller on line four is not working. Uh, So we're going to go to another call. Line four is not working. Um, Anybody else? All right, let's go to some questions. We have calls, but let's go to some questions. Uh, Did you notice a difference in your walk with the Lord after you were baptized in water? Absolutely. And uh, those of you who have been with us the entire time of the show know that on the first show, someone asked me if I had been baptized after I left the Mormon Church, and I hadn't. And, uh, and I didn't, because I don't believe that baptism is necessary for salvation, but it's important to do as a Christian. So I, I went and I was baptized, and I literally d- did have strength uh, that I didn't believe um, would really come. So I went in kind of doubt. I just thought, well, I'll do this perfunctory right. And, and it's kind of a, a, a carryover from being Mormon, you know, well, I'll do this right. And really, I did receive strength. So it's a great question. Uh, I did change me and strengthen me more in the Lord. Um, next one. Uh, what do I think of the sacrament? The LDS have a sacrament service uh, and they give the sacrament. Line four is not working. And uh, in that sacrament, Mormons go back every week and they renew their covenants that they made at baptism. And when they renew their covenants, they believe that this is the way they go about being spiritually reborn. So one, you have to go to church every week. And two, got to renew those covenants every week. And three, got to uh, approach it that way, repent and, and all that. Uh, I think it's institutionalized and I just think it is a replacement for the real experience of spiritual rebirth. Okay, uh, we are going to Douglas and Murray, line one. Douglas. You're at Heart of the Matter. Sean, um, you know, I really uh, am grateful
1: that you brought to light this law of progression. I mean, the Mormons believe that God began as a man, just like you and I, that he progressed through time to become a god. And the Mormons believe that someday... But if you reach that celestial kingdom and the highest degree of the celestial kingdom, and you sustain the general authorities, you were married and sealed in the temple, and you can become a god someday, that families are eternal. And and all of this, uh, and they believe that Lucifer and Jesus are our elder brothers. Angels were all formed at the very same time before the foundations of the earth were laid, They're all still here, I mean still there or around. None of them have died. None of them get older. Angels don't have children. Lucifer and Jesus Christ and you and I are are totally different. He's an angel. That must be, you know, clarified. But when the Mormons believe that uh, there have been many, many hundreds, if not thousands, of worlds and gods like Jesus Christ, The scientists believe today that there perhaps are 300 billion stars, and God knows each one by name. And they've also determined that, like you mentioned, the Earth, its rotation, its axis, how far it is from our own sun, our solar system, perhaps makes it the only sphere in all of the universe where man might even be able to exist. Great kind of interesting thing
0: that we should think about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great
1: insights, Doug, as usual.
0: You're a, you're a walking encyclopedia. I love the stuff you bring to the show. You're awesome, and I appreciate all you do, and uh, you have a wonderful evening. Thanks, Doug. Thanks for okay. calling. We're going to Lauren and Midvale on line four. Lauren, you're on Heart of the Matter.
2: Hi, Sean. How are you? I'm good.
0: How are you? I'm good, thanks.
2: Um, I just have a question for you. Yes. I've heard that in the LDS LDS religion um, that they believe that once you're in heaven, the men can marry more than one wife. If that's true, why do they believe that?
0: Um, I can't remember what show it was we talked about, but Mormonism is really founded on uh, the idea that there are eternal laws and principles that everybody has to learn to live and conform to. Marriage is an eternal law and principle and plural marriage was at one time an eternal law and principle, where it was taught uh, pre-1890 that anybody who was going to live in the celestial kingdom had to have uh, a multiple wife. So uh, they believe it is an eternal principle of God's. They believe it's the highest form of living. They believe it's been taken from the earth now, and that but in the heavens it will be part of life.
2: Are the wives predestined or is it, you know, one of the wives that you're married to here on earth and then the other one is chosen for
0: you? You know, I don't know if there's any doctrine uh, on that. If someone knows this, please call and tell us. But what I've heard, what the kind of the mythology is as a member was that there are so many more women in heaven than men and that marriage is an eternal principle that when the men and their wives go up there, there's going to be a bunch of extra women and so they get to latch on to the uh, the uh, the men who have wives already. Uh, that's always this kind of the, the, myth, the myth that goes around. Um, also on this earth, a man can be married now to more than one wife, sealed for time and all eternity in an LDS temple. Um, so, uh, and we also had a caller on this show once, a woman who was from I think Brigham City, LDS who testified that polygamy is a true principle of God's because her husband had to have more than one wife to bear all those spirit babies. So we got that on the air, and uh, that's that's really what they believe. As far as being sealed and married after they die, that this falls under the kind of the myth about uh, more women being in heaven.
2: Okay, well, I appreciate your time, and thanks for answering
0: my questions. Thanks for calling. Yeah,
2: have a good night. All
0: right, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. We're going to Diana and Sandy on line two. Diana, you're on Heart of the Matter.
2: Hi. Hi. Um, I'm so glad that you have your show tonight. It was just so great. And I don't think that people realize that everyone is going to have everlasting life. It's their choice. You either have everlasting life with God Uh or in hell without him. Right. And that's that's the way it goes. And... um, also, the Bible was written for believers. Uh-huh. We we need the Holy Spirit for us to understand the Bible, uh-huh. and um, maybe some people are having trouble understanding the Bible because they haven't accepted Christ. Hey, amen. You got to. You got to.
0: I didn't understand the Bible as a Latter Day Saint until I was born again, and then it opened up to me a completely different world. That's so, right. Great point. Yeah. Thanks. Well, thank you for calling. Okay. Bye bye now. Bye bye. Yeah, the importance of the Word is uh, can't be stressed enough. Um, as I think about this, and, and, and one of our camera people holding up the sign, the Word, the Word jumping up and down and stuff, uh, it's very important because it is what will help you know that you're placed with God, your salvation is sure, that it comes by grace, who God is. All those things come by reading and studying the Word. So uh, I can't emphasize that enough, and I apologize for not really honing in on that in my answer. All right, we're going to Jerry, first time caller on line three. Jerry, you're in Heart of the Matter.
3: All right, Uh, my question would be uh, with uh, Jesus when he came to earth. Yeah. I'm I'm referring to your comments earlier where you said God has no body. Yeah. Uh, When Jesus came to the earth, he received a body and then he resurrected with a body. Yeah. And I'm wondering, why would Jesus want to have a body if you can't do very much and you need a spirit to do it? And secondly, in the scriptures it says, God made man in his own image. And and it also said in another scripture that, uh, like with Moses, he spoke with him face to face as a man would speak with his friends. So. Yeah. Yes, those little matters.
0: Yeah, those uh, those little matters are really easily addressed. Okay. And uh, and I'll address them the way you can understand it contextually in the Bible. When a man speaks face to fe- face, the the Jews when they wrote, they wrote for us to understand, and they used all types. There's like seventeen different uh, literary uh, formulas and styles they would use to help people understand. And when, when they said they spoke face to face, it didn't mean face as in uh, uh, my face to his face. It meant that with the heart to heart, right then and there, they talked. And it did not mean face to face. And this is why you can, this is how you can believe that, is that the Bible doesn't conflict and it doesn't go against itself. And if the Bible says no man has seen God at any time, then, then we know that the Jews were using a certain style of language when he said that. Okay? That's my answer to that one. Okay. The other ones were what? Uh, Jesus and his corporal. Well, Jesus was God incarnate. And he came down and he sacrificed himself. He came down from his throne. And he, he he became a man for us. And yes, he took his body up there with him. Now, what he does with that hereafter, I don't know. Maybe after this world ends, maybe he'll discard it for the new resurrected model. I don't know. But uh, in any case, we know that Jesus also said uh, a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see me have. But Jesus also said God is a spirit. So we know that Jesus said God does not have flesh and bones, which is an exact uh, conflict with what Joseph Smith claimed. So as far as Jesus being God incarnate, I have no problem with him having the body. He did it for us to save the world. What he does with it thereafter, there's no doctrine on it, so I can't comment. The third one, I can't remember what it was. Uh, let's say, I think there's only just two of them. I think. Were there? Well, you know, it really. I understand your questions because when I was on a mission, I used to use those very questions and uh, trip people up and say this. And you know, the Bible also says that the hand of God, and uh, which is an anthropomorphic term, it doesn't mean it says that Jesus is sitting on the right hand of the Father. How do you sit on the right hand of something if it doesn't isn't there? If it doesn't have a body? And we can also say. You know, when John F Kennedy had a uh, had an assistant, it was who was his right-hand man, it doesn't mean that the person was at his right hand all the time. It just is a figure of speech for authority, and that's all the Jews meant when they say and that's all the writers meant when they say Jesus is on the right hand of God. It's a it's a position of authority. So when you read the Bible contextually and as a whole, all these things have answers.
3: Do you believe that there's God the Holy Ghost and then jesus also
0: father son holy ghost- th- uh three parts, one God, th- Father God, yeah,
3: you think they're all one and the same, but
0: I think they're one and uh one God, and I think of three parts
3: and how explain that more how are they three parts
0: well, last week we showed a diagram uh you could check that out, but uh, uh I also said on the show last week when someone asked me about the Trinity, I'm not going to be able to explain it to you because all the devices we use to explain it, an egg, it has yolk, uh, shell, and white, or ice. It's, it can be steam. It can be frozen. It can be liquid. All these things that we try to use to try to describe the Trinity are inferior to being able to do it. All I know is that monotheism was what separated the Jews uh, from the rest of the heathen world. And polytheism was the heathen pagan style. And the Jews are monotheistic. Islam is monotheistic. And Christianity is monotheistic. So there's no room in any, anywhere in any of that, in the Bible or elsewhere, for more than one God. So to be able to explain the Trinity, I can't completely. Okay. All right, man?
3: Yeah, I'll take care
0: for the time. All right, call back. Okay, bye. Thanks, Jerry. All right, we're going to Ray and Magna. I'm sorry, show, show that again. Ray, you're on Heart of the Matter. John. Hey, what's going on?
4: Hi, how are you? I want to read something real quick out of the Book of Mormon. Just throw it out there for everybody. Okay. Alma 41.8, you know probably this. It says, now the decrees of God are unalterable. Alma 22.9 through 11. Alma 18.26 through 27 says God is spirit. Yeah. One more thing. Uh, Alma 34. Uh 32, For behold, this life is the time for men to prepare to meet God. Yea, behold, the day of this life is the day for men to perform their labors. And now, as I have said unto you before, as ye may have so many witnesses therefore I beseech you that ye do not procrastinate the day of your repentance until the end for after this day of life which is given us to prepare for eternity behold if we do not improve our time while in this life then cometh the night of darkness wherein there can be no labor performed you cannot say when you are brought to that awful crisis that I will repent that I will return to my God nay you cannot say this for that same spirit which doth possess your body at that time That ye go out of this life, that same spirit will have power to possess your body in the eternal world. For behold, if you have procrastinated the day of your repentance, even till death, behold, ye have become subjected to the spirit of the devil, and he doth seal you his. Therefore the spirit of the Lord hath withdrawn from you, and hath no place in you, and the devil hath all power over you, and this is the final state of the wicked. So how can afterwards, when they die, go to the spirit world? They can do all those good works to receive Christ again that's my question I don't
0: know and you know what the thing that uh, that's great quotes the thing that you pointed out best I would have included that there's just not enough time is the book of Mormon teaches Christian ideals when it comes to the trinity uh, all through it. It says that they are one God. In fact, it says it in the preface to the Book of Mormon. The reason it does that is because Joseph Smith hadn't evolved in his theology. So you can see uh, contradictions throughout in that book, and we've talked about that before. Great stuff, Ray. I appreciate it. All right. God bless, Sean. God bless you, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> We're going to Maryland in Hemet, Idaho. But before we do that, I want to give read a definition that our researchers just gave us here. It says, within the nature of one God are three eternal persons. I like that very much. I couldn't remember it, and uh, they just researched that out and brought it to our attention. All right, we're going to Marilyn on line two. Marilyn in Hemet, Idaho. Marilyn, you're on Heart of the Matter. I just want
2: to tell you, it's so exciting to watch you and know when somebody's really plugged into the Lord. It just overwhelms me, but uh, what I wanted to say to you is did you, you know, once I'd listened to you and you said you hadn't been baptized, then the next time or two, I, I heard you say that you had, and I just want to know if there wasn't a big difference after you got baptized through Jesus and raised up into the Trinity that um, that you didn't see a, a big, well, enlightenment, a big difference. I know I did. I went forward when I was 18, and then I got baptized when I was 36, and it was whole Whole different ball game, and I just wondered if you didn't see.
0: Marilyn, uh, just now before you came on, I know you're in Idaho, so you're, you watch shows that are a few. Uh, Eight. Yeah. Uh, we don't You're four programs that. back, but yeah. I just read your question on the air, and I answered it, and I'll answer it again. I Because I came from Mormonism full of ritual, I'd never put any credence or stock into baptism. I thought it was important, but I just hadn't thought of it. And so then, like you said, in the first show, I was asked if I was, and I hadn't been. And so when I was baptized, I didn't expect anything. And uh, when I was baptized, and I really had a faithful expression of accepting Jesus Christ publicly, my life has gotten so much better in the Lord. I want to... I have spiritual power that I I didn't think I would ever have. Exactly. And I had known the Lord since uh, 97 without baptism and thought it was great. But when I got baptized, it literally changed me again.
2: I know. I was 18 when I went forward, 36 when I got baptized. Yeah. I, I would know things and didn't know how I'd know them. And then after I... After that, then I knew the Lord's voice, and I knew, uh, and I experienced things i never
0: dreamed. I did, too. Great (laughs) call.
2: Isn't it awesome?
0: It's awesome. Thank you so much for watching.
2: Well, I'll continue. I don't always catch it. We have a farm, but I I know when somebody's gotten plugged in. It's like a cord that lays by the plug-in until it's plugged in, but you know that you know, and it makes me so happy.
0: (laughs) Uh, Thanks, Marilyn. God bless you, and thank you so much. Okay, bye. Bye Bye-bye. We're going to Nate in Payson, first-time caller. Yeah, Hi, this
2: is Tiffany.
0: Tiffany. Yes. How are you?
5: Good. I have two questions
0: for you. All right. One, what made you
5: change from the LDS faith to being born again? Yeah. And the second question is, what is your take on the word of wisdom that the LDS church believes?
0: Okay. Um, One... When I put you back on hold, can we get your address? I'd love to send you the book for free. It it has about a 41-page description of what happened. But in simple terms, I did not know the Lord. I knew I didn't know the Lord. I was miserable. I was very active. I held high positions. But I came to know the Lord at the side of the road when I gave my life and will over to Him, begged for Him to change me, and He did. That was the beginning. But that's a long story short. Right. Okay? The second thing, the Word of Wisdom, I think it is excellent advice. I think uh, last week someone asked about alcohol. I think alcohol destroys a lot of lives. Right. Uh, uh, and, um, but I do not think that it is uh, in any way, shape, or form part of or necessary for salvation. I think people who drink alcohol or smoke uh, or take drugs, they can have salvation with the Lord. I think they're just destroying their lives, and, and they'll be accountable for that when they die. Uh, But I don't believe by virtue of commandment or even by suggestion it's necessary, especially in uh, the way the Latter-day Saints use it, that you can't go and uh, receive everything necessary to see God again if you don't obey it. Okay, and um, did you ever, I don't know, mess with the Word of Wisdom? Oh, uh, yes, absolutely. As As a teenager, absolutely. I know that to our LDS audience, this would give them... Some uh, what they would consider ammunition for my my failures, uh, but I want you to know categorically I'm a failure, and that's what led me to Jesus, and so
5: I don't uh, think that you're I don't think well I
0: mean you're a failure, I, but I mean in sin. But as far as the word of wisdom, Everyone yes, sins. we all sin. Yeah.
5: we are all sinners, and we all need to yeah. repent and and come to God on our knees and say what we have done wrong.
0: Yeah, uh, when I really became destitute as an adult, I turned to uh, uh, substances to help my quote-unquote pain, right. um, but wasn't addicted or anything. I just used them to, to medicate myself. Uh, but yes, in fact, have done those things.
5: Um, and what do you call like your religion now? So are you just like a born-again what? Like, I'm are a you... born-again
0: Christian. I attend Calvary Chapel, and I'm just a non-denominational Christian.
5: Okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Well, thanks for answering
0: my questions. Hey, please stay on the line and let's get your address. We can send you a book. All right. Okay, thanks so much. Hold on for a second. All right. All right, we need to get someone on line one. All right, now we're going to Nate in Payson on line four. Nate, you're on Heart of the Matter, first-time caller.
6: Hi. Hi. um, I just had a question. I was wondering, um, I'm LDS, and, you know, you're Christian and everything. I'm just wondering, um, how do we know... Who's right? How do you know who's right? And I'm sure that other people read the Bible and they have their ideas about it and everything in their interpretation. Where yeah. do you get, I guess you could say your authority, or where do they get their authority? Yeah, how do a, we know who's right? And am I going to be damned because of what I believe? Or well, are you going to be damned because of what you believe because it's different and it's, it's not what somebody else
0: thinks? That's a, it's a fantastic question. It's the question of the year, if not the century. Um, how do you know who's right? And uh, there's several ways that people will propose to know who's right. Some will say it's by your feelings, and some will say it's by what God tells them. Um, And every religion, Jehovah's Witnesses, Catholics, Christians, everyone is claiming right. But I'll tell you this. When it comes to the essentials for salvation, the body of Christ, whether you're Baptist or Protestant or Presbyterian or Methodist or they, they stand on the essentials, and there's, there's five or ten or seven essentials, and they stand in agreement on those things. Now, where they get those essentials from is from reading the Word. And the Word of God, the Bible, is our authority. It is how we decide what is right and what is wrong. Now, are there disputations? Absolutely. Do we argue over these things? All the time. I hate it, actually. And sectarianism or different churches really is a thorn in the side of people who just want to worship God. But if you want to know what's right, you read the Bible. But you have to be born again before you're going to understand it. So the way to know what's right is you go to God and you ask him, Lord, please take over my life. I'm a sinner. I need you. You do this as a Mormon in the privacy of your own life. And you ask him to give you a new heart and new eyes and new understanding. And you start to read his word. And when you read that word, you're going to come to the same essentials. Now, will you be damned? I have absolutely no idea. The thing that will damn you uh, is whether you know Jesus or not. Jesus said the imperative, you must be born again. You must. That's a Greek imperative. There's no question about it. If you don't think you've been born again then you might say, well, I need to find out why I'm not and what I need to do to become born again. All right. and, and whether you're Mormon, and this is a big one too, I, I, I don't know. I don't care. What I care about is do you know Jesus? Is he the Lord of your life? Have you turned your entire will and life over to him? Then you're operating on his on His schedule, and then your salvation is sure, no matter where you are.
6: Earlier you said something that when people will, will go to heaven or they're going to be terrified. Some is that going to happen to people, I mean, if they honest honestly believe what they believe, are they going to be...
0: I think, so, I think so, because there are people who believe that they are doing what's right and living the right way and, and everything. And they, they still are going to find themselves, according to what the Lord said in his parables, in hell. And so it doesn't seem fair to us, but there's only one way to get to heaven, only one and that's Jesus Christ and that's your faith in him and how you f- how you live and fo- not how you live to get to heaven but how you follow him and have turned your will and life over to him you have to be born again people who will go to hell have not been born again it's really a simple matter of that because if you've been born again you are a child of God and you've been given a new spirit and you've been forgiven and then you will you will not be terrified you'll be fine so right. okay. yeah
6: well i mean i i I have to disagree with that because I believe, I don't believe that somebody who has, you know, a Muslim or somebody hasn't accepted Jesus, I don't believe they're going to go to hell.
0: Yeah. Um, That's my,
6: that's what I, that's what I believe. Well, the problem
0: with that, and I understand you're thinking with it, but the problem is if a Muslim can go to heaven or someone who doesn't believe Jesus was who he said he was and did what he said he did, then what was the purpose of Jesus coming? I mean, what did he do? I mean, he didn't need to come at all. Because a Muslim, a mu-
6: well, I mean, he still, I mean, he still has grace that he can give to that person if they, if they were ignorant, if they didn't know. Okay, him. and
0: and as far as the ignorance goes, I think that someone who's following the best of their ability, according to what God has given them, God is a God of grace, and He is going to handle that. I will agree with you, and I don't categorically say all Muslims are going to hell or all Buddhists or anything. Never, no, not all Mormons, no, but. I have to stand that you have to know Jesus Christ. Here's the real interesting point. we got to cut this off, and I hope this will be interesting to you. The Bible says you have to recognize God. If you haven't had a chance to hear the name Jesus Christ, Romans says you're going to know that God exists by his creations, right? Well, if you don't know the name Jesus, how are you going to get to heaven if you just recognize God? Well, this plays into Jesus being God. And if you recognize God, you're an Aborigine, you live for uh, till you're 14 years old and you die, but you recognize that there's a God and you trust him in your heart, God's going to honor that according to what Romans says. And how can he do that? Because when you believe in God, you're believing in Jesus. Does that make any sense to you?
6: Yeah, I see what you're
0: saying. Yeah. Keep calling, keep watching. I'm uh, sorry if Thanks. my answers were all over the place. Really appreciate it, man. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Uh, Last call, Justin on line three from Leighton. First time caller. Justin, you've got one minute. Hey, I, hey, Sean, I just had
1: a quick question. Um, yeah. Earlier a caller said that uh, Exodus 33, he was talking about um, where the face Lord to face. Uh, spoke to Moses face to face. Yeah. I've always, uh, and I'm a Christian, and I've always uh, taken it as that, Lord, that the Lord
0: was Jesus. Oh, yeah. A Christophany? Yeah. You know what, you're right about that, and that's uh, 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 that it, w- it was a Christophany because it was, uh, it was Jesus, and uh, so it totally deflates the argument right there that the Latter-day Saints used to say that he was talking to God face-to-face. In fact, George Albert Smith, he says that at one time. He says that anytime it refers to God uh, in the Old Testament, it's referring to Jesus. So it loses all the wind in the LDS argument that he was speaking face-to-face. I've heard that. I appreciate you bringing that up because that's a really good point.
1: Yeah, and also, you know, it, 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 throughout the Bible, um, the Lord—it's it, talked about the Lord as the Father. So, it, in my mind, confirms the Trinity. That—that—that—that that, that, that yeah. itself, just like you said, you know, being born again is a thing of understanding, knowing God's word.
0: Excellent point. Excellent. Really appreciate it, man. Keep calling. You doing awesome work, man, for God. Amen. Thanks a lot. I'll talk to you later. Goodbye. Bye bye. All right, we have thirty seconds left. I want to tell you, if you're a Latter-day Saint, God is real, he's not a man, he doesn't have a body, he is a spirit, and his son came down here for you and I. May you find him, may you go to him and ask him for truth, and uh, as you do, he will lead you out, he will teach you truth, and you will know his will over the will of men, all right? Next week, we're going to talk about testimonies. And we're going to have some people bear theirs and share theirs. See you then on Heart of the Matter.
3: I'm on a ride going nowhere. I am an existential cowboy on the wind. And I won't be coming out I'm going in This man's awake A storm's arising The dawn's waiting Till a hundred monkeys know And I can feel the light Still monkey
6: star